back to the book of 1 John, chapter 5. We have a couple more weeks there uh, before we dive into an Old Testament book. Anybody remember what book that is? Good job. Thanks. Habakkuk. Yep, that's awesome. Uh, it's, it, I think that'll be about a three or four week mess, uh, series. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, anyway, so First uh, John chapter 5, we're, we're going to be looking at five verses. And as, as you think about that, as you turn to, the, to that passage, hopefully I want to ask you a question. Um, anybody here ever face competition on a regular basis? Or competition on, um, from time to time? I think everybody here at some point in life goes through competition. Some enjoy it, not me. I don't enjoy competition with anybody over anything, unless I know I can win. Okay. <laughs> um, some, people, some people like it, some people don't. Uh, and a, a competition start at a very young age. Boys are always competing for, we find it in our house, like boys who want to be the ruler, who want to be the top dog in a house, you, you find that boys get older, they start competing for the girl. You get bucks competing with bucks because they want the dough. Uh, you get applicants who are competing for the job, uh, teams that are competing for the win. Today, we are going to have a little competition, if you call it that. We're going to be playing the game of Bunko. It's a simple dice game from four to seven. And we will be competing against each other, whoever shows up. Uh, some people win in life because he's out of sheer luck. You know, the game of Bunko really is a luck game. We got dice. Uh, Jennifer Tudor has all sorts of dice that she's letting us borrow tonight, and it's, it's just a luck of the roll. Uh, last night, uh, yesterday afternoon, Leslie and I were practicing, making sure we understood the rules, and guess what? I creamed her. It was awesome. Last night, we played with Noah and Caleb. Guess who won? Noah. This guy is coming from behind. I'm not winning. I'm not winning. Comes from behind. He won five out of the six rounds of the Bunko game we were playing. It's just sheer luck, Noah. That's all it is. Uh, some people win because of skill, because of athleticism. If you put on the Cowboys and Seahawks game today, you will witness such a feat. One of those teams is going to beat the other. Hopefully it's a good contest. But it's going to be based off of their skill and after their athleticism, who's going to win. And some people will just win because of that sheer determination that they are not going to be stopped. They are not ever going to give up. We compete against each other. Sometimes we compete against ourselves. Uh, this, this I don't do, but some people compete when they, they, they try to get a better time on the clock when they're running. They try to get a, a mile quicker. It take, took eight minutes last time. I'm going to shoot for seven minutes and 50 seconds this time. Uh, some people compete against themselves to get better grades. Uh, some people compete against themselves to overcome fears, which I have done. I, I have four fears here that are listed, and three of them I feel like I've overcome. The fourth one I don't think I ever will. Uh, tubing behind a boat. I don't know what you would call that fear, but as a kid, I was scared to death. You get on a boat and you just hang on for dear life, and I, was, I would do it very first to get it over with. I'd only do it once, and I would do it, but I was scared. I just kept getting back on there and getting back on there. Now I'll taunt the boat driver. If you're driving a boat and I'm on the back, I'm going to taunt you like give it your best shot. Uh, a fear of heights. I used to be scared to death of heights. I couldn't climb a tree. Now I'll climb the tallest thing that I can without a whole lot of fear. Speaking in front of people. I used to be as scared as you guys are to speak in front of people. I'm scared to death. Now I can get up here and most of the time I'm okay with it. But the fear that I don't think I will ever overcome is claustrophobia. The fear of hiding in small places and 
I just don't think I can do that. That's a fear I'm probably not going to overcome. It's a fear that's probably going to beat me. But wherever you're at, whether it's whether whoever you're competing against, whether it's against each other or against yourself, there's always going to be a winner and there's always going to be a loser. That's just the way it is. And the same is that in the Christian life. We have the opportunity to, to have victory in our life, but sometimes we don't do what it takes to have that victory. Do you want victory in your life? Over in your Christian faith? I do. Um, not meaning that I'm going to get a better job or a better position or more prestige or more recognition. That, that's an earthly view of, of, of victory. But it's, the, it's a victory over sin in our life, over the hold that temptation has that we fight with on a regular basis. And if you're going to win in a race, if you're going to win in a Christian life, a lot of it has to do with your makeup. And we're not talking about, when we say makeup, we're not talking about what you were born with. Some people are just born athletic. Some people were born with courage. Some people are just born to be strong-willed and persevere. But this, this, this makeup that we're talking about is a spiritual makeup that it doesn't matter if I'm the, the biggest chicken in the world or the bravest person in the world. I can have the same spiritual makeup because it's something that God is doing through me. It's not something that I have to conjure up on my own or have to be born with. It's something that God does through me. And, they, and that's what we're going to be looking at today is what is our spiritual makeup and how can we overcome some of those things in life? Because God wants you to have victory over those things. He wants you to succeed. We just have to do our part to make sure that we do. So let's pray. We'll dive back into this. God, I thank you for your, your patience with us. Thank you, God, for your word. God, I thank you for what you've been teaching me and reminding me of, God, that I can have victory in Jesus. It's not based off of my own skills or my own determination. God, it's based off of you and what you do through me. God, I pray for now as I, as I open up my mouth, I do pray for a good message like Nick said. And I do pray that the right words come out. And God, I know that you can speak through me even if I'm not saying words. And so I pray that you would do that as well. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be in 1 John chapter 5, verses 1-5, through 5, looking at our spiritual makeup. It says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Victory is very important. Whether you are in a war, whether you are in athletics, or whether you're in politics, the, the, the idea is to win, is to overcome. In the Christian walk, the idea is to be victorious as well. So we're going to be looking today is what does it take to be victorious? It takes something personal. It takes something productive, and it takes something permanent. It takes a, the first thing we're going to look at, it's the foundation of our spiritual makeup. And that is that it, the first thing it consists of is a personal position in God's family. A personal position in God's family is what it takes in order to be, to, to, to consist of the spiritual, the correct spiritual makeup. First John chapter 1, or chapter 5 verse 1, it says, Everyone who believes in Jesus is the believes that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. Everyone means everyone. 
any man, any person, race, color, gender, whatever, it doesn't matter. Everybody has to do the same thing. They, everybody needs, everybody has the, the God's calling on their life to, to put their faith in Jesus. It doesn't matter who or what you've done or what anybody's done. It's for everybody. Everybody who believes, who commits their trust, who, who believes in Jesus, it's for everybody. Not just for the, people, the white people, not just for the black people, not just for Jesus or God's people, the Israelites. It's for everybody around the whole entire world who will put their faith in Jesus. They can have that salvation. And it's a personal position. It's something between you and God. There's nothing anybody else can do to make sure that you have salvation. That's why it's personal. It's something you have to choose on your own to put your faith in Jesus for salvation. You know, in John's day, there was, there was quite a, a group of people that John's writing about. He's writing about, uh, we looked at this a long time ago, in 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. He's writing about this group of people who got into the church and started pulling people out of the church and saying, here, let's believe something else. And John's saying, you know what? Those people who are leading other people astray, if they are willing to believe, they can have that personal relationship with Jesus. It is not too late for those people as long as they turn to Jesus before they die. Once they die, it's done. So those people have the opportunity to turn to Jesus because this is for everybody. All those people who are a part of the church, who sang those songs, who listened to the message and then said, I'm going to believe something else. This message is for them because everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs that personal position through faith in Jesus for salvation. Uh, you, have, you have people who do different things with that. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Paul, everybody knows Paul. He was, he was the most famous person, I think, in the New Testament aside from Jesus. And what did G Paul think of himself? He says, of, of, of all the sinners, I'm the worst. I'm the worst one out there. And what did Paul do with his life? He, went, he did 180 degrees. Instead of persecuting Christians, he was on fire for Jesus, leading everybody to the Lord. It didn't matter what it took. The persecutions, where he had to go, what he had to say, he was doing whatever it took. And so there's a huge life change right there because that is for everybody. Paul, who considers himself the absolute worst, it's not too late. And he did his whole, the rest of his life was all about Jesus, all about ministry. You think about the exact almost opposite end of the spectrum. Is this guy who died on a cross next to Jesus. He says to Jesus, remember me with, when you get to your kingdom. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth today, you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't say, wait a second, you're not going to do anything for me, dude. You, you're upon a cross, you're going to die. What, what do I get out of this? You're not going to do a single thing for me. He says, no. At whatever point you turn to me for salvation, you will have it because this message is for everybody. Wherever you're at in life, whatever you've ever done, the worst criminal who's sitting here on death row right now, who's sitting there, he's in his cell, and he's mad, and he's bitter, and he's angry, and he's sad. He's got it marked on the calendar. This is the day I'm done. I don't get to talk to a single person. It is not too late for that person to have a personal position with Christ. That's how much God loves people. The little old lady who's, who's always treated all the kids really nice, who's never going to hurt a fly that everybody only speaks highly of, Jesus is there for her too. There's absolutely nothing that she did on her own to be warrant salvation. She still needs Jesus. Whether we're super terrible, bad, and everybody hates us, 
or we're the most wonderful person in the whole wide world and everybody loves us. Everybody needs that personal position in Christ. And you guys all know somebody who fits in that spectrum. That somebody needs Jesus. It is not too late for them to come to know Jesus. Jesus has already paid the price. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, it says, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus paid the price for the sins of everybody. He wants everybody to come in and to take part of that. So when it comes to your spiritual makeup, of, of what it, it takes to be a successful Christian, you need to have a personal position with Christ. If you don't have that, nothing else matters. You've got to start with the foundation, and the foundation is a, a personal position with Christ. First John 5, 11, and 12. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. Right? That's as clear as it gets. If you have Jesus, you have eternal life. If you do not have Jesus, you do not have eternal life. So where's your foundation? Is your, is your foundation built on Jesus as, as, uh, with a personal uh, part of his family? Or is your foundation something else? I'm trusting the fact that I was baptized as a baby. I'm trusting the fact that I went to church my whole life. Or that my mother and father were members of a church. What are you relying on? What's your foundation? If you're going to have the spiritual makeup, it's got to be a personal position with Christ. Once you become a personal a part of God's family, we need to become a productive member of God's family if we want to be successful in the Christian faith. This is love for God to obey His commands. We need to do what it is that God is asking us to do. Now, I've used this picture before, or this definition of love. Love is not a feeling. It's an act of your will, right? I can sing a song. Love is not a feeling. It's an act of your will. Believe it or not, uh, people aren't always have this, don't always have this mushy-gushy feeling towards God, of loving God. I didn't wake up this morning, like, overcome my emotions, and boy, I'm just so in love with God. No, most people don't have that. It's kind of like with your spouse or parents with your kids. You say, you know what? I love my wife, but I don't always have that, when I first got married, this mushy-gushy feeling. I just, and I do love you, right? And kids, parents don't always go like, boy, when you first came out of the womb, that was something special, and then you, you grow up and you're not so special. That, that mushy-gushy feeling isn't there, but you're still special, Nick. Okay, Mom said so. You're still special, but that feeling isn't there. But you know that you still love your spouse. You know that you still love your wife. And you know that you still love God. And how has that come out in your life? It's by, it, when you love somebody, you're doing what's in the best interest of the person that you say that you love them, even if you don't feel that emotional drive, that push to get you to do those things. And if you're going to love God, you're going to keep his commandments. You're going to do what he's asked you to do. Uh, pretty, pretty simple. And all of scripture kind of comes down to what? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22, verses 20, 37 to 39, about love. It comes down to love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. A lot of, a lot of scriptures helps you understand, develop that out. But that's what it comes down to. He says, I want you to love me and I want you to love other people. That's what God is asking for. And, and Jesus, or John writes some very difficult words. I mean, almost difficult. It's hard to believe kinds of words. 1 John chapter 4. 
It says, or how about, yeah, for every... Let me read verses 2 through 4 and see if I can find it. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out His commands. This is love for God to obey His commands, and His commands are not burdensome. They're not burdensome. They're not grievous. They're not heavy. They're not weighty. Does anybody want to think in your mind, yeah, right? God's commands aren't hard. They're not, they're not burdensome. You know, a lot of people look at, at what God's asking, and they say, you know what? If I do one more thing, I'm going to be that camel with that little piece of straw, and it's going to break everything. I'm going to drop everything if I try to add one more thing to my plate. The world's really good about this. I don't want to do something. I'm going to say, hey, would you do this? Hey, would you do this? Because I can't carry my own load anymore. And I'm like, I'm just going to try to give it away. But when God gives you something to do, he's not giving you something he can't handle. He's not giving you something that is too hard for him. He's not trying to lighten his own load. When he gives you something, it's a lot different from man. Because all man can do is say, here's a burden. Here's a burden. Here's some more weight. Here's a bigger to-do list. When God does that, he's, he's not really doing that. Because he's giving you the strength that you need to do it. He's giving you the ability to do it. The, the ability to endure what you're going through. If he's asking you to go through something or to do something, he's going to equip you with the ability to do that. Man just goes... Here's a bunch of weight. God says, here, I'm just going to be like a using you as a vessel, and I'm going to do all the work right through you. I'm going to equip you. The Holy Spirit living inside of you is what is going to help you to overcome, uh, to, to fill, face those burdens that God's asking you to carry. And it's not always going to be easy. Um, you know, it's going, to be hard to, it's going to be hard to walk away from a temptation. You know, we all have temptations. We like those things. We want to do those things. It's going to be hard to walk away from those. But the Holy Spirit inside of you is going to help you. It's going to be hard to love your enemy, even the guy in the back of the Walmart truck, right? It's going to be hard to love that person. But God's not asking you to do that on your own. God's asking you to do that with his help. It's going to be hard to speak the truth in love. We know how to speak the truth in anger. We know how to tell people what they really need to hear. But it's hard to say those things in love. God's asking you to do that but he will equip you with the ability to speak that truth in love. You know, really, when, when you look at this book, and you, you think about all the things written in here, it, it, it is kind of a heavy book, and there's lots of words and lots of pages, and people feel like that's too, it's not worth it. It's, it, it's a lot of weight to carry. But really, if you do what God's asking you to do, you're going to be better off. You know, you're going to have, when you're obedient to God, you're going to feel good. You're going to have confidence in and who God is. You're going to have love. You're going to have blessings. You're going to have hope by doing what God's asking you to do. And by avoiding the things that he doesn't want you to do. All this, the sins that are listed in the Bible. If you avoid those things, you don't run around with guilt anymore. You don't have to deal with negative consequences. And it's like following what God says is really a good thing for you. It's a blessing for you. You, you just, life is just better. I mean, it, it's hard because... You have to say no to something, but once you get in the habit of saying no to them, all of a sudden, you start to feel good because you've overcome this, and God blesses you for doing the right thing. So it's not, it's not just a big weight, a big burden, like here's a, this is a big straw that broke your back. God says this is really what is for your best if you will put these things into practice. And I can tell you from experience, when I've given in to temptation, and I'm walking around depressed and defeated and frustrated because I did it again, and then when I've said no, and I've, God brings scriptures to mind, and I say, okay, and I, 
I survived that temptation, I feel free. I feel good. I feel confident because God has helped me to win the victory. Now, we can preach love all we want. I can get up here. I can say, this is all the, what the Bible says about love. But if we don't put it into practice, that means absolutely nothing. You know, a couple weeks ago, we looked at 1 John 4, 20, verse 20 and 21. For everyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. This whole idea of loving God and loving people, it shows up in here. That's what God is asking from us. I love you, you love me. I love God, God loves me. It's a, it's a win-win situation for everybody. But there's a lot of people who don't do that. They don't want to believe. They don't want to love. They don't want to follow God's commands. And 1 John verses 2, verses 3 through 4 says, The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar. The man who says, I'm walking with God, I love God, and everything's wonderful, but I'm not going to forgive my spouse or my family member that I've been fighting with. That's not loving God. The person who's supposed to share the gospel with somebody, God's just burning it on your conscience. i got to get to that person. And they say, no, thank you. That's not showing God love. Uh, when there's a physical need that somebody has, and I have the opportunity to meet it, and I say, no, thank you, that's not showing love. That, that's not loving God the way he's like you think it is. On the contrary, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. If, I, if I'm feeling like uh, i got some family member or spouse or somebody i got to forgive, and I say, okay, I forgive you, guess what you're doing? You're loving God. You're showing God that you love him. You're obeying his commands. When God puts it on your mind to get out there and share the gospel with somebody and you do it, you're showing God that you love him. When somebody has a physical need and you meet that need, you are showing God that you love him by your actions. So based off of this so far, how are you doing? How's your, how's your foundation? Do you have a personal uh, relationship with Jesus? And then are you, have you been uh, an active member of God's family? Have you been trying to put God's word into practice? Because it will be demonstrated in your life. Whether you love Jesus or whether you don't, it will come out in your daily life. The third thing that we need to have, and the third thing we're looking at today is something that's permanent, and it's a permanent placement in God's family. When you trust Jesus as your Savior, that's what you get. You get something permanent, and that should drive each of us to do what God has asked us to do because we have something that God is not going to take away from us. Verse 4. I'll read verse 4 and 5. It says, Everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. You know, we, we looked at last week about how wicked our world is. I mean, even just America. We had like our top ten kind of things that we lead the world in. But we're not the only people who are wicked on this planet. You go, you go to Australia. You go to Europe. You can go to any continent, pretty much, and you're going to find where sin is abounding or people are reaping the consequences of what their sins deserve. And our nation is going to reap the consequences. And those who know Jesus are going to end up in heaven when they die. Those who don't know Jesus are going to end up in hell when they die. And the victory that we have is something that we don't have to be afraid about losing. And when you, you gain that victory, when you put your trust in Jesus, at that moment that you believe you have victory in Jesus, and it's going to stick with you forever. Here's a couple of verses that kind of help prove that. You have to find victory over the, 
No, anybody want to take a guess at what the Nike sign means? Just do it. Okay, it means victory. That's when you look up the word victory in the Greek, it says Nike. And that's what it means. So when you see that Nike sign on your shoe kids at school, or you see it on the, the commercials when uh, you're watching the football game, I want you to remember victory. Victory over this world. Okay, victory over temptation. Victory over everything that goes against God. So 1 John 5.13, it says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Your, the, eternal life you, the eternal life that you have is something that you can know that you have. You don't have to wonder about having eternal life. You don't have to be afraid about losing it. You don't have to be concerned. This is something that you can know that you have. John 10, verses 28 through 29. This is what Jesus has to say about this. It says, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Nothing can snatch me out of God's hand. I can't jump out of God's hand. I can't say I don't want this anymore. If I ever get to that point, I don't think I was ever saved in the first place. Because God is strong enough, God is big enough, that he's going to hold on to me. I'm not going to lose my salvation. Ephesians 1, verse 13 and 14 says, Having believed, you are marked in him with the seal, a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. It's a deposit that God puts inside of you. You put your faith in Jesus, you get a little deposit called the Holy Spirit who stays there. God's not giving that up. He's going to, to have that up in heaven. When you die because you put your faith in Jesus, that's where you're going. It's a guarantee. It's not like uh, until you're bad enough or until you screw up enough. It's a guarantee that you're going to have eternal life. It's something that God is not going to take away from you. It's something that God is not, that you, you're not going to give up on your own. And I know a lot of people don't like the idea of um, eternal security because they're afraid. If I, if I say, you know what, Josh, you have eternal security, go out and do whatever you want. That's what they're afraid of because it's a license to sin. But if I do that, God knows if I'm really a child of his or not. Uh, first, or Second Timothy 2.19 says, The Lord knows those who are his. If, you know, every, anybody can say, I believe in Jesus. I, I can't look at you and say, yep, Nicole's a believer. Yep, there's Kurt. Yep, Kurt's a believer. And, oh, Leslie, she's a believer. I have no idea because you, didn't, you look exactly the same. You're, talking, you're the same people that I, when I met you. But God looks. He says, Nicole's a believer. Kurt's a believer. Leslie's a believer. I know that. Whatever they do in life, I know that. So we don't have to worry about if, if somebody else is losing their salvation or, or what anybody says about that because we have the guarantee that if we put our faith in Jesus, we have salvation. And God knows he'll take care of those who are not truly his child. So the, second, the first victory is we have victory over death. We have victory over hell from the eternal punishment in hell. That's what we have victory over. As soon as you put your faith in Jesus, you have that victory applied to your account. The second thing is you can have victory over temptations. I can have victory over temptations. The, the possibility is there. I'm not going to be perfect, but I, I can have victory over the temptations in life. And temptations are real. Everybody deals with them. Everybody faces them. You know, our world is always coming up with new ways to try to entice us to, to do wrong. Here's, here's another ad that's going to try to lead you astray. Here's another... Uh, 
it, it's the same ver- same song, second verse. They just put a new label on the same old sin. Everybody deals with temptations. First Corinthians 10, 10, 13 says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. You deal with the temptation? Guess what? So do I. So does the next person. James 1.14 says, Each one is tempted when by his own evil desires. We just have naturally evil desires within us that we want to give into. We like those things. That's why they're temptations. But we can have victory over those temptations. How do I do this? Faith is the key to victory. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Yes, you overcome the punishment that the world's going to get in hell, but you can also overcome the temptations that you are facing on a daily basis. God can help you. If God can't help me, I might as well die now because I can't do it on my own. What you need is you need to have faith in Jesus for that for salvation and faith in God to help you get through those. If I rely on myself, I cannot do it, but God through me can do those things. And what is faith? It's not simply just saying that what God says is true. Anybody can do that. True faith is acting on what God says because it is true. That's a quote by Warren Bluesby that's saying, that's what faith is. It's acting like it's really true. It's taking God at his word. We've looked at that before. Take God at his word for forgiveness. Take God at his word that when he says flee temptations, you do that. Take God at his word that says when you're facing temptation, God's going to provide a way out. On my own, I'm going to be like, the the door's over there. And I'm right after the temptation because that's exactly what I want. But with God's help, I can say, I can start scanning the room. Okay, now how do I get out of this? Where's the temptation? Where's the door to get out of here? And God can help me to do that. But without faith, without walking with Jesus, you are not going to do it. You might win a couple little battles, but you are going to lose the war. In this world, you are going to face temptations. You're going to face battle. You're going to face competition for your life, the decisions that you have to make. What do you need in order to be spiritually victorious? You need something personal. You need a personal position in God's family. You have to make that choice on your own to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Have you made that choice? Are you, is your foundation built on what you can do? on my skills and on my good behavior or is my foundation built on Jesus? Because that is going to crumble. That is going to fall. That is going to let you down. Your foundation in Jesus is not going to let you down. Now that you have that foundation, what are you doing with it? Am I I saying, okay, there's my foundation and I'm just running around this world doing whatever I want? I say whatever I want. I act however I want to act. Or am I being an active part in God's kingdom, an active member of God's family? Am I, you know, think about your family. How, how good would it, would it be to be a part of your family? I mean, like if, I'm just going to pick on my family. How much, how excited do you think I would be if I'm the dad and, and my wife is doing the dishes and Noah's doing the, the mowing the lawn, taking care of things, but Caleb does absolutely nothing. He, he, he just, he sits there, he'll eat. But when it comes to doing chores, he never does those things. He never picks up his room. He never does anything. And a lot of Christians are like that. They're, they got the foundation because they have that McLaughlin name, as special as that is. They have the McLaughlin name, and they'll take some of the perks that go with it, but they do absolutely nothing for it. Those are the people who are going to fail. Those are the people who are not going to accomplish anything. God has asked us to be an active 
member of his family. To, to do ministry inside this church. To do ministry outside this church. To be involved in people's lives. Share the gospel. How are you doing? How is your... Um, how is your... Uh, you found your spiritual um, maturity. Are you, are you trying to be a productive member of God's family? Are you saying that's somebody else's job? That guy gets paid to do it. That person is a member of the church. That person is X, Y, or Z. Are you a productive member of God's family? And the reason we should be is because we have a permanent placement. We have the correct foundation. We have the permanent placement. God's not going to take this away from you. God loves you. He wants to be your Savior. He wants you to be in heaven with Him. He's not going to take it away. And I don't want to, I don't want anybody to take advantage of that. God doesn't want that. Like, I got my foundation. It doesn't matter what I do. It does matter. If you're going to be victorious, if you're going to have um, the correct spiritual makeup, you're going to be a productive member of God's family. So I just want to challenge you this week. You have temptations that you're facing. You've already made the, vic the right victory call. You trusted Jesus as your Savior. But you have, you have choices to make. You have competitions for uh, the temptations in your life. You have competitions for other decisions that you have to make. And I want to encourage you to be victorious. Jesus has already paid the price. And I want you to uh, live out that spiritual maturity, that, that the correct spiritual makeup that he has given you so that you can be victorious in this Christian life. We're going we're gonna to pray and then we're going to sing uh, trust and obey because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. And I hope that you believe those words because that is, you just have to try it. It's just one of those things, you're just going to have to try it, do what Jesus says, and you, your life is going to be better uh, because of it. So let's close in prayer and then we'll close with that song. Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you, God, for giving us what we don't deserve, that you give us salvation. And I don't deserve that, God. I'm a wicked sinner. God, I screw up all the time, even though I've been saved for many years. God, and I'm sorry for that. God, I just I thank you for the, the personal position that I have with you. I pray that, God, you would help me to be active in sharing my faith, to somebody to be active in whatever it is that you're calling me to do. Thank you, God, that the position that you gave me is permanent. And God, as we leave the church today, I pray that you'd help each of us to do a better job of trusting and obeying your word. And I pray for this in Jesus' name.